This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And I'm coming to you from the virtual joint. Oh, hold on a second. I've got that completely wrong. I'm so used to saying it. I'm not in the virtual joint at all. I'm actually in the real boozer. On the day that the lockdown has finished, I have got a pint. Okay, it's not it's got alcohol in it, but it's still a pint of, 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 of beer in front of me. I've got my chums in front of me. They're not virtually... Uh, I've got my computer here. I've got I've, I've got a substantial meal. I've got microphone. I've got all sorts of stuff. There's people around me chatting and having a good time. My name's Billy Grant, and I feel very happy and at home now as I am out on the town, gallivanting, waiting for the game on Saturday as it goes. And my chums are in the house. Laney man, how are you doing? I'm good. Good. I'm just. I'm, I am actually excited that I'm in a pub. Um, out, well, outside a pub because you're not in my bubble. But I am drinking a pint of London Pride, um, and I have a substantial meal in front of me. And I, I am. I just, it's the simple pleasures. The, we're slowly starting, hopefully, to get back to being able to enjoy the things we love the most. And you know, who'd have thought that a year ago to have a beer with three people in a beer garden would be like one of life's greatest adventures I, I you, you, you would have thought they were conspiracy theories Bill <laughs> you would have done as well this is true you say you're in the beer garden I mean the thing is that we would have shied massively away from this as well you know a year ago I mean it's freezing cold I mean I've, I've got my blanket here I feel like an old old giffer you know what I'm saying you, you know I am actually yeah that's true actually yeah <laughs> so I've got a blanket I've got the double coat on I've got thermals I've got my hat we've got my gloves like the full Monty but I don't care I'm sitting outside with a substantial meal. <laughs> it's so substantial, it's just making me so happy. And uh, like I said to you, um, we're going to be talking football, and I'm going to be having a beer, and yes, and, and I've got my buddy Ali Malali here as well, which, which has made me even happier. Yeah, I'm just finishing off my scotch egg. <laughs> beyond that, I'm beyond excited. It's so long since we've had something to really look forward to, and I am just beyond excited about Saturday. You know, it, and it's, it's almost like you know, like one of the most exciting things of a season, like every season, is the the annual defeat of Queens Park Rangers, and we we've almost not not forgotten about it, but with the 
return to the pub, seeing our buddies, going to the game on Saturday. It's, it seems to have been like almost forgotten, but we're going to remember that tonight because that was another special win. It was another special win. Uh, I think it was sort of 10 out of 10 or something like that. It was 10, 10. It's just too many for us to know. 11, Ali knows, like, you know, it is. That's right, there was at least 200 fans in there as well. And like I said, you were also getting ready because uh, we're going to be talking about this a little bit later because there's, a, there's some very exciting news that has happened this week. And it's something that, you know, if it was announced again a year ago, we would have poo-parred it. Lots of people would have poo-parred it going, oh, what the hell are you talking about? This sounds absolute nonsense. Fans are being allowed back into the stadium. Not very many fans, mind you. Only 2,000 fans are going to be allowed back into the stadium. But by God, are people excited about the fact that we can actually go inside the stadium, sing and shout and support our team. So, like I said to you, we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on that this podcast as well because um, there's loads to talk to about that as well. And also, like I said to you, it's been a good week. We've had a couple of very good wins. We've beaten QPR this week and we've beaten Black... Well, we've beaten Rotherham this week as well, you know, and we've got Blackburn coming in. So I'm not getting ahead of myself here at all because it could all go horribly wrong by Saturday. So we're going to be talking about those victories that we had this week as well just to make this week extra, extra special. Tell you something, I mean, like I said to you, just... just, just Pulling it back a little bit here. I mean, I know that I'm sounding really excited, you know, um, but it is amazing. And we were just chatting about this earlier how the kind of almost like things that are not say they're not important, but they're, they're slightly menial things, how actually have just increased in importance, particularly over the like the last eight or nine or ten months. And I think a lot of this has come from there not being a light at the end of the tunnel, and all of a sudden it's like there seems to be a little bit of crack in the end of the tunnel for various reasons which you know we might even talk about here now and as soon as that crack becomes you know in, in that tunnel it makes you sort of appreciate things that you might not have appreciated you start doing things we've, we've, we've done so many things that we wouldn't have normally done before haven't we no like sitting out here freezing our <laughs> proverbials off we wouldn't have been doing that in december would we no it's um yeah it's, it's yeah, too much good news for for one week, really. I don't think we're used to this much good news, are we? It's, uh... Yeah, but but you know, I mean, Laney, I mean, you 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 were talking about this as well. You know how you and I, I don't, listen. This is early in the podcast, and I don't want to sort of kind of get into reminiscent mode and getting into philosophical mode. But it's almost like you know you start to take a lot of things, not to, stop taking things for granted, and actually start to appreciate a lot of things, isn't it? Yeah, I, I know. I've, I've been really good in lockdown. I've, I've sort of like you know. But abided by the rules, and I've, and I've kind of like you know shrunk my life into what I'm allowed to do, and I've I've, I've travelled abroad when I when I was when I was able to do that, and you know with the the corridors and what have you. So I don't feel like I've locked myself away, but you know the the the, the, the things I derive the most pleasure from are going to football with my mates, and you know it's that's just not been possible, and so being being one of the you know the the two thousands invited back on uh, on Saturday it, it, it meant more to me than I thought if I'm honest with you because I actually I actually thought I, I could take it or leave it you know I've not I've not been to a game contrary to public <laughs> co- co- contrary to some idiots you know spreading nonsense but you know I've not been to one game uh, since the Sheffield Wednesday game I'm not I've not been interested necessarily um, in calling in any any kind of preferential anything so you know um, I've, I've waited my turn like everyone else and I've got in because I've got enough points and 
season ticket longevity. So um, I, I didn't think I'd be really excited because I was like a bit take it or leave it. I'd, I'd be happy just to wait a bit longer, if I'm honest with you, until the stadium was more open, until I can go there when there was... 10,000, 15,000, 17,000. That's when, that's when it's going to feel like going to football again. But when I got the email, um, I literally skipped around my bedroom. And I, I, it was an involuntary kind of um, show of emotion and relief, I guess. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of Brentford fans out there that shared that. And you know, obviously there's going to be some that are frustrated that they, they're not going to go on Saturday. But I thought it, what's really good is that the club seems to have offered almost everyone something so if you don't go on Saturday you know really when you might be going and I think you know it shows that you know we'll go on rotation so my my turn may not come around again for uh, quite a while and I'm I'm cool with that you know I think everyone's everyone's um, uh, deserves their, their their place no one's no one's really more law than anyone else it's just the way the, the, the system's been stacked this time. So um, I'm delighted I'm going to be there. It's going to be weird, I'm for honest with you. I'm, I, I just don't know how I'm going to feel on the day, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll see it. I'll see what happens. The other thing as well, and again, I was thinking about this, and again, not getting into sort of philosophical mode, but, you know, th- everyone's talking about how everything's going to change, the world's going to change, the way that certain people have been adapting um, different ways of working, different ways of living. Companies have been adopting different ways of working, different ways of operating, which is interesting. Football also has to operate in, in different ways as well. It's realised that, you know, to be quite the way that it's been ploughing on in the past cannot go on. And it's almost like the pandemic has actually kind of allowed them to, 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 to have a look at themselves and to realise, actually, we can't be doing this. And one thing I think which is very interesting is that I think that football... Even though they, you know, they tip their hat, and they say fantastic, but football really has had to have a look at fans as the people that come in the stadium, right, and have really made football special. Where, listen, there's no two ways about it. We've been sideswiped and sidestepped by certain people within the game, you know, because as soon as money comes in, you know, you get the corporates that come in and they believe that that's more important in different areas. And the fact is that I've seen it, you know, all over the place from from our from our club to the FA to everywhere else like that it's you know and people sort of say money changes everything oh yeah and it sounds like conspiracy theorists I'm not being conspiracy theorists as well because I'm not in that mode I'm actually in a very good mood but what I'm just saying and I'm coming back to the fact that, that this has been a scenario where football fans because you've, you've got a, you know you've got a limited amount of financial um, power compared to these corporate companies who may come in and you can see the the priority that they do have you know when it comes to scheduling your tv when it comes to trains when it comes to this when it comes to tickets that you may get it comes to all this stuff and you can see that sometimes the authorities they i think they, they see fans or they, oh, well, i know this for a fact because i know people that work for them they saw fans as a kind of necessary evil things that go there which it kind of makes the game look good sometimes when they're singing but on other times they're a right pain in the arse oh my god you know we can do without them but I think the last eight or nine months has, has really driven home how important fans are to football and I really do hope there is a massive sea change in the way that the, that the authorities do start thinking about fans and how we start treating us because when we start saying things like ticket prices and they're like, what are you talking about? This is absolute nonsense, you know what I'm saying? But it's kind of like we're not saying it because we think that we just want to just kind of just like, you know, drive co- companies to the ground. It's just like kind of like they're, they're actually saying you're, you're taking the piss out of us. So co- listen to us and let's try and reach a bit of a compromise. And I, I'm hoping that instead of them thinking, listen, we need to think about number one, 
where what we'll do is that we'll play players and agents and blah 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 and everyone just much more money and then we'll get money from other areas and we'll talk about you later hopefully there'll be more of a collaborative effort collaborative effort from everybody to think actually we need to start listening to all the stakeholders in football not just the ones who have got more power because they've got more money yeah, I, I I hope you're right. We'll 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 have to see, Bill. You know, in in the same way that you you hope that we all come out of this as a as a more together kind of caring society. You know, in the in in the in the midst of the clapping for the NHS, you know, when everyone was in it together, you know, it seemed to be a you know where we were all kind of like unified. But um, we'll, we'll we'll just see. You know, I I I'm a little bit more cynical. To you know. I think in the heat heat of the moment, um, everyone shares the the, you know, the common greater good. But once it's once once we got back to uh, capacity to capacity grounds again, and uh, you know the temptation is to take us for granted, um, they probably will again. Okay, ladies, seeing the bright side of things as usual. I'm going to try and bring it back to the happy side of things. Listen, just want to say quickly as we're sitting here having a beer. Thank you to everybody who's brought us a beer, and the beer that you've brought us is right here. My Bex Blue, alcohol-free beer is in front of me. Lady's got his London Pride, and Ali has got her water as well. So it's not... Listen, you don't have to come to a pub to have alcohol. You can come here to eat and drink and just hang out with your friends. That's another thing which I think has just come out of this whole pandemic. Sometimes, you know, you just if you want to come out and mix with people, listen, just come out. You don't need to come out there and get hammered, because that's all school. But thank you very much, like I said to you, besotted.com forward slash beer. And the people who have given us a shout this week, Madraka B, big thumbs up to you. Thank you very much. And also, Owen Wainwright, he said, I raise a glass to you all for your continued hard work and efforts for the Brentford cause and education of others. Please take note of my besotted podcast mantra. No liberal, no podcast. Which, yeah, I know. No yeah, that's no podcast. <laughs> Have you got Christmas off? <laughs> Have a great Christmas, uh, Owen Wainwright. Thanks very much for that. We're not quite sure about your mantra. We might have to have a word with you about that as well. And also the other thing is that what we have done, we made sure that, you know, there isn't a liberal kind of, you know, he hasn't got a, a hold on it because we've made sure he's thrown a few other liberals into the mix. So we don't actually know who you are talking about at the moment because there are a few liberals in the podcast, um, besotted podcast crew at the moment now as well. Also, Jack, keep up the excellent work, gents. Come on, you bees. And exactly, gents and ladies as well, remember that. And we always, I was just repeating what was actually written down there as well. You know, as you see, Ali's got the dagger eyes on me. As you notice, I never miss out the ladies whenever. I'll give you the, I'll give you the thumbs up as well at all times. And Robert Keane, again, big up to you as well. So thank you very much to everybody. Besotted.com forward slash beer or go to the Besotted website and you can see a buy us a beer and just hang out with us and just do whatever. And thank you very much. We really appreciate it. But anyway... We want to talk about what's happened this week because it's been a very good week. It's been a twang coming on. It's going to be a twang coming on because we're going to be talking about what's happened this week because it's been a very good week. Give us that twang. So this week's been a good week. We've had two matches. Friday night, big game on Sky television. They always pick the QPR game against Brentford on Sky. And I have to admit, I was a little bit nervous going into this game. And the only reason why is that because we've done so well against QPR and we've kind of gone into this game on a little bit of a kind of sort of a slight damp squib. There's no fans in the stadium because normally the fans in the stadium is what kind of turns it for us as well because we always see more up for it than they do. And I I just thought, you know, "Mm, this one's mm, it's not looking too good for us. You know, it could go wrong. 
And to be fair, QPR actually started, that first half they started very well and it could have gone the wrong way. But we got a result out of it. It was very good and I was very happy. And so as the record goes, I think it's played 10, won 8, drew 1, lost 1. And it's the fourth win in a row for Brentford. You know, seven games unbeaten. QPR um, have conceded uh, two, point, two plus goals in their last 10 matches versus Brentford. The last time was commentary in the 1950s. It's actually our best championship start ever. I mean, we could go on about these things, um, but it was really, really, really good to get that QPR game out of the way because the way things are going, people are getting a little bit angsty with the last couple of results before that as well. The Wickham game wasn't great. Before that, the Borough game wasn't great. And people were getting a little bit angsty. And I think if QPR had gone a little bit horribly wrong, it could have been a bit of a horrible run into Christmas. Good at Laney. Yeah, you mentioned Sky, Sky Sports Bees. You know, we, a year ago, we were, we were sort of like taking a pee and saying it was Sky Sports Leeds. But we, we, we've, been on, we've been on Sky way more than Leeds ever have, you know, and it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Um, you're right, there was, uh, you know, we spoke about it last week on the podcast that there was uh, a slight bit of trepidation that, you know, QPR owed us. Um, but, you know, it was a cracking West London derby. Fair play to Rangers, credit where credit's due. Thought they were really, that's the best QPR team we've, we've come up against probably in the championship. Warbs is putting together a very good attacking team there. Still can't defend for Toffee. Um, but Brentford deserved that win, I think. Um, we matched them, we matched them sort of like blow for blow. They're great breakaway equaliser. Um, and uh, you know um, Tony I thought he's got, he's, the goal he scored that was disallowed I thought he was onside he, you, you, can't, you can't claim VAR if we haven't got VAR you know I, I think he was level um, he was millimetres but if you he, 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 the, the, the line, linesman was wrong to flag that for offside um, so I, I'm saying that's a 3-1 th- three, three victory to Brentford probably should have been um, Mads Beck uh, yeah Margins again. Uh, we, we might have got away with him staying on the pitch. It certainly was outside the area. The the last man situation. Yeah, you, on another day it's going to go against us, I'm sure. And they, ironically, they they got the man sent off. But I, I think overall we we fully deserved the win. Um, and you know, to 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 hear the kind of salty uh, nonsense from Warburton afterwards, I don't think it really did him many favours I, I, I don't think you know we've all got a soft spot for Warbs and we'll always be thankful for he, the role he, he, he played central role in getting us out of League One into the Championship where we've we've just grown and thrived and flourished um, you know there's no point in going over old ground we don't want to go talk about the falling out and the sackings and the, you know all that stuff but you know uh, since, since he's left Griffin Park he came back with Nottingham Forest and beat us and we were, we were, you know, we were pretty gracious in that. that they deserve to win that on the day. Um, and since since the games we've we've been playing since it's been at QPR, we've wiped the floor with them. Um, and you know, I, I honestly think that's probably you know QPR. They look a decent team. Um, they raised their game for their cup final, obviously. Yes, they do. And, I mean, Ali, just talking about the Cup Guide final, the first half, QPR were actually looking quite dangerous and they were giving us a load of problems, didn't they? But then we just flipped it up in the second half and Thomas Frank, you know, I don't know if people have given him, you know, credit for what he did at half-time because what he did at half-time was actually quite brave, wasn't it? Yeah, 
I mean, we were all watching the first half and it was uh, Bright Oster Samuel was, you know, looked really dangerous. They looked really dangerous. I do, I do think we dodged a bullet with Mads Beck not getting sent off. And at half time, we were all going, oh no, we need to better changes. And I said, yeah, we need to bring Pontus on. And then Pontus comes on, we get great. And then it was like, okay, Dow's gone, has gone off. And then it's a, we're playing five at the back or three, five, two. This never works. And it's just sort of like, I don't think, I think there's very few people who thought, that not so much the changes in personnel but the change in formation was going to work because it doesn't generally work for us but you know hats off to Thomas Frank he got it absolutely right changed the game it looked like a different side that second half and I think um, but I do think Warburton missed a trick leaving Bright Samuel on on the right against Rico rather than moving him to the left where he had Fosu Fosu the right, right wing back because I think he could have done some some damage there, so it just shows that perhaps Frank is probably tactically more astute than Warburton in that game, and he outscored him. He was outmaneuvered tactically. So I mean, in effect, what you're saying is that Thomas Frank in the second half had a plan B, you know, because Mark Warburton's plan A was working very well, but it seems that he's continued with the old theory of uh, the old adage of uh, if you, you know, if plan A is working, do plan A better, and plan B is is plan A. And, and, and he definitely plan A'd himself right up in the second half, didn't he? And they, they, didn't get, they didn't pretty much get a sniff in that second half, did they? Because when we changed that around, we, we took command back of that game. I mean, Mark Condes, fair play to him, tip your hat to him. You know, it's brilliant, you know, brilliant. And it was also a very brave move, considering that he has been one of our most influential players this season, to take uh, Josh Silver off who wasn't performing and I was doing a, for me was doing a bit of a, a judgy from whatever season it was trying to do everything himself and not happening I don't like to, I, you know he's been fantastic for us this season but every player has games when they're, they're not on form and I think it was, it was quite a brave move to take him off um, as well as to change the formation but it, it worked worked a treat Listen, you know, Ivan Tony once again showed how clinically he is. You know, the, the, the goal that was disallowed, it was, I thought it was a, a cracking strike. And the, the header, um, you know, it, no, no goalkeeper gets close to that. He, he's, he's, he's got the wherewithal, he knows exactly what he's doing. And Mokonda's delivered this most beautiful cross for him. And, uh, you know, it, 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 to be honest, it, it took the sting out of, you know, what was a kind of a nervy win up at Barnsley. Barnsley, I say stop the rot. I mean, I think that's too dramatic, you know. I think, I think we, we knew that we weren't an awful team. We just got into the habit of not being quite good enough to win, but not being bad enough to lose. And, you know, we just we were looking for that extra bits of sparks of quality, and we we found it against QPR. We we we, we found you know the, the clinching goal at Barnsley, which was great. Come away from there with a win. Um, then we beat QPR, and then that just brings us brings us to a game at Rotherham, which is like a really really tricky game. Year in year out, we go there. You know, you never you know they're always going to make it difficult for us. And you know, Warren made it massively massively difficult for us on Tuesday night. And you know when 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 I saw that team, I'll be honest with you, I saw the Brentford team. I thought, oh God, we're going to wipe the floor with them. Put ten quid on Brentford to win minus one goal. Luckily, I won in the end. But at half time, I'm thinking, what the hell have I done? You know, they've really dragged us down. We, that's the team that we go out there and we dictate the play. We go out there and we show. We we just take the game to them and we don't even look back. We score two, three, four, five goals. But 
to be to credit with credit's due to Rotherham, they really put everyone behind the ball and they did anything and everything almost within the rules to stop our, our front players uh, you know being able to get ahead you know Ivan Tony he, he was in a wrestling match pretty much all through that game you know how only one player got sent off I don't know you know the, the referee he, he had his work cut out um, and the you know the, the the penalty in the end really you know sealed it but you know we were, we were nail biting all the way through that game that one mistake and Rotherham get something out of a game they just don't deserve. But we've seen it year in, year out. We get nothing out of trips to, to Rotherham and we come away with a win. And, uh, you know, anyone with a calm head, we knew that we were doing enough right things to, to be in the top six at the very least. And the way it's going, we're, we're, we're ready to push on. And, I mean, it's interesting you're saying about how, you know, we've got what we deserved. As you know, Besotted, we like to look at the stats. We like to look at the facts. And we get people in who are very good at crunching the numbers. we got Will, the spreadsheet winker. Thank you, Nottingham Forest fans, for giving us a little section here, which makes me smile every time we come to it. But Will, he's been crunching numbers for both the Forest... No, the Forest game. He's been crunching numbers for both the Barnsley game and also for the... For the QBR game as well. How could I forget that match? Been crunching the numbers for both those two games as well. And listen to what Will, the spreadsheet winker, has got to say about those two matches. Spreadsheet winker. Today we're going to give a rundown of the QPR and Rotherham games. Let's start with the West London derby from Friday night. In terms of XG, Bees had 0.94, whereas Rangers had 1.25. It's only the second time we've been behind on XG in a game this season. The first one was losing 4-2 against Preston, and it certainly showed. This was a nervy match, especially in the opening 45 minutes, when Rangers seemed to be well on top. Bees only created one chance above 10% XG all game. That was Tony's fantastic glancing header off a Marcondes free kick to put us 2-1 up. It was a 31% chance and Ivan did really well to push his defender back enough to get himself in the right position to score. The low XG despite the header being in the 6 yard box is because it was wide and Tony was being man marked. In contrast, Vitaly Janout's goal was a tiny, very lucky chance. Just 3 in 100 of those go in on average, most are blocked well before reaching the back of the net. The fact that the only chance we had of scoring in the first half was from a speculative long range effort whilst QPR were able to utilise Bright Osei Samuel down the right-hand side to carve out and convert a massive chance, shows that Rangers were winning the battle of build-up play. Their goal was a slick move, ending in a 55% chance converted by Lyndon Dykes. He also had a 26% chance just before half-time, which he blasted wide. In contrast, the Bees had only one shot in the hoops box in the first half. We seemed to struggle playing progressive forward passes, especially from Dalsgaard on the right-hand side, and De Silva was forced to play very deep only playing three completed passes forwards in his 45 minutes of action. So it was time for a change at half-time, to 3-4-3, forced by Dalsgaard's injury into the system which saw us ship three goals against Stoke. This tactical change handed us back control of the wings, with Rico Henry being able to make more crosses and get the ball into the right areas for the strikers. It also nullified the potent Osei Samuel, who struggled with the overloads created by a wing-back, an eight, and a winger, all pressing him at once. He didn't make as many important passes in the second half, and end up switching sides because Sorensen, Henry and Fossu were giving him so much grief. All in all, a nervy game, 
but I was very pleased to see the Bees come away with the three points. Let's now have a look at the Rotherham game. In terms of XG, Bees made 1.55 and Rotherham had 0.51. Especially in the second half, this was a dominant performance from the Bees in both defence and attack. They limited Rotherham to only one shot above 10%, Lindsay's shot from the edge of the area on 15 minutes which racked up 0.12 XG and then was cleared over the bar by Ivan Tony, and one attempt in the whole of the second half. Bees on the other hand created two massive chances and scored from both of them, Force's excellent 57th minute shot from an Ivan Tony drag back, and then Ivan's 82nd minute penalty, which was won by Canos after he was cynically pulled down by Miller. The interesting tactical talking point from this game was Fosu's stint at right wing back, deputising for the injured Dalsgaard. They are very different players, Fosu is much more attacking minded, and his average position was much further into the middle third than Dalsgaard's against QPR, where he sat just in front of the centre backs. Fosu actually pushed further forward on average than Rico Henry did, according to his heat map. He had a higher percentage of his passes in the Rotherham half than Dalsgaard in his half on Friday, suggesting he opened up the right wing as an area for progressive development more than the older Dane is probably able to. The fact that we didn't concede a single attempt above 0.12 xG also suggests that despite Fosu being more attacking, we were not left exposed down the right-hand side for Rotherham to create chances. And credit there should be given to Janssen at right centre-back. Jan Elton de Silva were interesting to watch in this one. Vitali plays a very different game to Christian Norgard in the pivot position. He actually only made 19 passes, far fewer than Jensen and de Silva, and the way he impacted the game was through interceptions, where he made three, two more than any other Brentford player, and tackles. Rather than using him as a passer who develops offensive moves, he seems to be more of a classic defensive midfield enforcer, breaking up opposition play incredibly efficiently. And then there's the conundrum of Brian and Burmo's season. Is he having a poor run of form compared to last year, when he scored 16 and assisted 6? Not really, since he has 5 assists so far this term, and is our biggest provider of key passes at 1.4 per game. Just because he's not found the luck needed to curl one in after cutting inside on his left foot, doesn't mean he's a one-season wonder. We should also remember that he was playing in a front three with two of the best and most intelligent players ever to wear a B shirt in Watkins and Ben Rama. The rotation and overlaps which they had last season will have helped Brian's game massively. I think a goal will give him a world of confidence, and I for one back Frank, keeping him in the starting eleven. But overall, a very dominant performance in South Yorkshire, and we return to New Griffin Park on Saturday for the first game with fans. Now, my girlfriend's a massive Rovers fan, so I'm not necessarily looking forward to this one, but I hope the Bees come away with three points. You ready? So yes, that was Will, the spreadsheet winker. And uh, really interesting. I mean, he was talking about a number of things here as well, you know. Fosu. At right wing back or left wing. I mean, that is the kind of toss-up because the fact is that when Frosty's been playing up front, has, has he been effective or has he been more effective as he's moved back into this role? I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, Ali. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, it, uh, we haven't really found somebody on the left yet, have we? I mean, it's we're trying to play, trying to play a right-footed player on there and Sergi, that, that doesn't quite work. Fosu's done pretty well on the left, but then I didn't think first half he was great at white wing back last night, but second half, where he'd obviously been told to push up a lot more, I thought he was fantastic. Um, and possibly there's another moment to say that Force, although he's out of position and come off the wing and come in and scored, has possibly done better than anybody else out on the left. So it's a difficult, it depends how long Dalsgaard is injured for. Um, but I think you've got a choice there. You can go for either Fosu or Canos at right wing back. Um, 
Is he more effective right wing back or on the left? I think he was probably more effective right wing back when he pushed up because he was played quite high in the second half. Okay, but what? But what I'm going to say, and I'm just not being interrupted because it's interesting. Because I could see with your eyes and the passion in your eyes and your face, and you're, it's almost like question mark in there. It's almost like you're trying to find the excuse and trying to find the answer. And I'm and, and I'm just wondering, in effect, are you saying that we are kind of slightly compromising and making do with what we had not putting these players down or anything like that because listen we know that we've had Sai Ben Rama and he was absolutely brilliant and you can't necessarily replace him but it seems like almost like what you're saying is that what we've got there we're kind of getting through but it ain't quite it isn't quite what we want and we we really there is something that we really need yeah I, I, I don't think you can blame any of you know Canos Fosu for, for not being Ben Rama. None of them are Ben Rama, and it's a, it's a difficult act to follow. I think that's that's part of the issue. We're used to seeing Saeed out there doing his, his stuff, and nobody else is Saeed, but I wouldn't have to want to make that decision, and I think there's a couple of players... I think they're doing, they're, they're doing all right. Nobody's done, doing... I don't think Fosu's done disastrously on the left, but I think he was probably more effective as, as right wing-back for me. See, see, last night we basically forced two players into positions that probably, argu- arguably, we shouldn't really been playing them there. So you're talking about Rotherham, yeah, R- Rotherham, yeah. So like force and force So force we've squeezed out on the left, um, you know, and then um, Tarek we've put on the right wing back position, and neither of them did. A, a, a bad job at all, you know. Like, you know, Tarek provided a great cross for the for the first goal. That you know, where um, Tony pulled it back and Force smashed it home, and Force scored. And, and he and he provided a beautiful outside of his boot ball out down the wing for you know that was crossed in and Canos was free and was fouled for the penalty. So both had very influential moments in the game. But I'd still rather see an out-and-out ruthless left winger, you know, which we don't have. No, I, I, no, I agree. I agree that you know. But we've got a January transfer window coming up. I'm, I'm just thinking of a get us through to the end of the season as a promoted team rather than get you know cobbling cobbling you know a decent team together week on week. And you know, I, I would you know um, Dalsgaard would have started if he was fit. So Tarek probably misses out there. Neither of them deserve to be left out. But we only have 11 players on the pitch. You know, the Allard always says, if we have 12 players, then we're laughing. You know, we've got, we've got room for everyone, but we haven't, you know. And we don't, we, I don't think we, we want to be looking at going 4-4-2. Um, I think the best, most attractive, most devastating football we've seen is under the current setup. Um, I don't, I don't want to see us changing the way we play. And, you know, yeah, Force scores a load of goals and Tony scores a load of goals, but they're scoring loads of goals in substitute appearance as well. That's going to continue. We create so many good chances that if we rotate during the 90 minutes as well as week on week in the matches, those players are going to get, they could get 20, 20 goals apiece each and, and that, one of them is a sub. So, you know, I'm saying there's massive, massive plus points here. I still think we're spluttering. You know, the first half, I, I, know, I said we should be wiping the floor with Rotherham. We struggled. They really did ask questions of us. We shouldn't. We shouldn't have been in that situation. We were passing. We were making passes when there was players, opposition players, right in front of us. They're not invisible men. You know, they were trying. They were trying to play as if they weren't there. 
But to be fair, I mean, I've listened to other teams as well. You know, I was talking to you know Coventry. I mean, I know that Coventry are lower down, but Coventry know them, you know, Rotherham as well from last season. They're playing them at the weekend, and the Coventry fans have said, you know, we struggle with the Rotherham press. They're very good at doing that. You know, that's one thing that they, you know, if you look at that. So it's going to be hard for not only us but other teams as well. But just coming back to this, it's interesting you say this as well. Coming back to where Brentford are at the moment now, with 15 games in, we got 26 points. We're fourth place. Last season, 15 games in, we had 21 points. We were in 13th place. We're at the best position that we have been in this division. So we, we got sort of kind of people thinking, mm, we're not that good. Oh, we're much. You know, even, you know, pundits and everything like that. The first thing they come up to you go, ah, oh, Brentford, you know, they're not doing so well this season. I'm thinking, well, the thing is that maybe because we're not playing the flair football that you, you thought, we're not doing as well, but we are defensively tight. We haven't let in goals for ages. You know, we haven't, you know, we haven't let in goals for ages. And also the other thing is that, no, we haven't got the kind of the Ollie Watkins doing his thing and the Saeed Ben Rama doing his thing. But still, you know, we've got the second highest goal difference in the, in the league. We're scoring goals. We've got the highest goal scorer in the league. We are doing something right. But interestingly, everyone keeps talking about our left winger and the fact that it's not effective enough. Now, what will happen... In January, if we get somebody that smashes that left wing up, and we got those, and those we got those players to come off the bench. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm happy now because I was in the pub drinking with my buddies and everything like that. But also thinking about that, I'm also very happy because the thing is, if we get that right, and we're, and we're quite good at getting things like that right, Brentford know that's what we need. And if they got somebody out there saying, telling something, you know, we might even have to pay a little bit more money for him because it's January, but we know it's going to get us over the line. We could we could be on and clear in the new year. Yeah, and you know, it's all, it's all, all, all equally, it's about the right wing as well. You know, Brian Waymo's not exactly been you know on, on his world beating form so far this season. Um, Tarek Fosu needs to learn how to take a throw in. Um, you know, there, there are you know we, we, we aren't we aren't faultless anywhere on this pitch. You know, and uh, you know, it's, but it's not it's not about calling players out. You know. We've, as, as, as we've said year in year out, we have to learn that no one wins the league in October, November, or December. You know, the, the league is settled at the end of the season. You know, and Leeds did, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no they, but they didn't, did they? You know, they, they still almost threw it away. So it's a, it's a, it's well, is it a nine-month season anymore? I don't know. Whatever it is, we aren't going to wrap it up. And we can't be expected. We are still getting better, but we are in a, an amazing position. We're only a couple of points outside the top two. We're a couple of wins away from being top. And, you know, and this is in a season where there are some people calling from Thomas Frank's head. It's crazy. Right, so listen, and I thought there's another interesting point here as well, which, uh, which I want to talk about. And it's one of Ali's pet subjects as well she absolutely loves this and it's interestingly I'm just talking about this QPR game as, uh, as, as Will the Winker said we lost the XG battle with QPR but we won the game QPR had a better XG than we did in that match but we actually won the game which is very unbrentford because normally we go into games absolutely smashing the XG but we actually don't get the goals but this time you know, there was a little bit of kind of, you know, maybe defensively we're a little bit secure as well, but also a little bit of luck in Brentford's favour in the fact that he actually came out of that, that game with, with a couple, couple of points. Now, I know what you say, Ali, the whole time. It's all about getting goals in the back of the net and not work this XG stuff. But in a way, you can also see how this, uh, this does benefit, especially the people in charge, because it makes them 
not panic, I think, sometimes. And I, and I think that, you know, it's, I love it and I think it's really great. But did you think that was interesting? Yeah, I mean, it was. It was what was interesting watching on Sky last night is before the game, they put up a stat that actually Brentford are top of the XG charts for the championship. Um, and Sam Saunders then said, yeah, it's great, but that's not what it's all about. So I think there is the perception that sometimes, and I'm guilty as well, all we care about is XG, and it isn't. Of course it isn't. And it is good. And what you always say, you always say that the teams that go on to win the win the league, get promoted, are usually the ones who can pull a result out of the bag when it's not going their way. And I think generally, generally over the last few seasons, we haven't done that. You know, you, you think back to um, the Barnsley game, the Stoke game at the end of last season. Things aren't quite going our way. We can't pull it out of the bag, um, even though we create loads of chances. And we weren't even creating chances, but that many chances. And QPR, watching as a neutral, you would have said, QPR were probably the better team for large portions of that game, especially in the first half. But we pulled it out of the bag. We turned it round and we pulled it out of the bag despite having a lower XG. And that is something, whereas we want our X, obviously you want your XG to be higher, but you want to be able to pull it out of the bag when, it, when you're not there as well. And I think that's something that was it impressed me most was a game that wasn't really going our way. We managed to get a result probably against the run of play, to be fair. To be fair, and I will say to you, the XGs though they were quite they were quite similar. Keep your slightly more than what we had, and also they got most of theirs in the first half. In the second half, we couldn't be shut out, so they didn't get the goal, um, and 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 that's the score. But just just coming back to the just sorry, just coming back to this this the XG thing. Just and it's interesting because I saw that as well when Sky put that up on the uh, on on the screen as well, which I thought was interesting. But the question I'm going to ask you because I know that sometimes you 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 feel kind of you know two minds about this. What would you rather be? Would you rather be, you know, top of that XG chart or would you rather be number 14 or 16? Well, it depends what the payoff is. If I'm 14 or 16 in XG charts and top of the actual league... No, 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 forget about... No, 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 forget about... No, no, there's not two. There's only one question. What would you rather be? Number number one in the XG chart or number 14 or 16? Well, it's, it's, it's got to be number one. Even if you don't believe that you should put everything on XG you've got to take other factors into account and it shouldn't be all about XG it should be as we have discovered this season it should also be about not conceding goals there's XG against as well yeah, I know but do you know what I mean it, it, it... Bill I think you're I think you're kind of like falling into the, the, the trap that you accuse of others of, of, of using you know XG is supposed to be a metric that's based over like a, a sequence of matches, not one-off games. You know, and I think people only highlight XG. You know, that the table went up to be kind of poo-poos. It's like, oh, Brentford are top of the XG, but they're not. Discuss. You know, it, it, no, it, it's about it's about like over the court. If you carry on doing the right things and creating dangerous chances, you're going to score lots of goals. Not in one game necessarily, but over over a season. And we're proving that that, that that's right. You know, we're, we're top of the table because we're creating chances, and and we've got a striker that puts them away, or two strikers that puts them away. I think if you just kind of put put it into a, um, uh, a scenario that it's not really intended to be, you're all most like you're as guilty as the ones that kind of say oh well you had 20 shots on target but you you lost one nil I think actually the, the reason why I was actually asking the question is because and the question that I was going to ask for is that it's the indicator that if you're doing the right thing which is I think this is what it does 
and you're doing the right things, even if it's not going right for you, you don't change your plan and you don't panic. And I think this is where it benefits Brentford, where it might not benefit other teams, where if, let's say, for example, they were doing the right things, it's like Thomas Frank lost 10 games in a row, but as far as we were concerned, we were right up there. They didn't sack him, whereas if that was Derby County or another club, they would have sacked their manager straight away because they didn't see the ball going in the back of the net. So I think, I think the point that I'm trying to say is that, and we've always said this, have a look at it. And use it to your head. and use it. You can't, Of course, it's never gospel. And the most important thing is winning the games and, and scoring the goals and everything like that. But what I think is quite interesting, like I said to you, is that I had a little panic thinking, oh, my God, we're not as good this season. We're not doing the right things. But obviously, the signs are out there saying that we are. So maybe, you know, because we're, we're not seeing the same thing. We've got to just track back a little bit and trust what we're doing out there. Because we're doing it in a different way. Maybe we can't see that because we wanted to do it how we did last season. But the signs are saying we are doing it the right way, obviously. I do have to say, I don't think we're as entertaining and I don't quite enjoy us enjoy watching us as much. And, and, you know, and that I see that with my eyes. Um, I think, you know, but, you know, as Ali said earlier, you know, we're, we're missing Saeed Ben Rama, you know, 30 million quid and we're missing... You know, we're missing Ollie Watkins, 30 million quid. So, you know, we've had a lot of talent taken out of that team and some players aren't, aren't producing to their potential. But, you know, we're, we're still there or thereabouts. We are, and that's what I'm saying. And people are saying, you know, and, you know, we might be guilty that we're not a good team or we're not as good a team. But like I said to you, people will be saying that to me. But what, I know the reason why I brought this chart up is that actually... We are as good a team. We are measuring like we were last season. We're just not playing necessarily the flair football, but we're getting the results. We're getting the results in the right way, which I think is quite good for us, who are sometimes overly emotional in these situations. I think. It, I think the thing is, isn't it? I think on on paper, statistically, we're as good a team, if not a slightly better team. But the perception of it and the thing that gives you the emotion to football is excitement and the excitement and the flair isn't quite what it was last season Does that, you know so on paper statistically yes we're as good a team as but your perception is we're not because it's not as exciting and there's not as much flair as there was last season I think you know, the, the, the stat came up last night that it was a year ago yesterday that we'd beaten Luton 7-0 you know, so I think at that 7-0 stage, we thought, right, here we go. And last night, we're still slightly spluttering. Um, we, we're, maybe we're one big win away from getting that kind of shot in the arm, talking about uh, um, antidotes and stuff, vaccines. But maybe we, maybe we need a shot in the arm as well, like a big win to give us that kind of that swagger. I, I don't think we've got the swagger quite yet. I'm not, I'm not convinced that this is a, a, a big win team, if you see what I mean. Uh, this, is, this is more of a team that, that keeps it really tight and takes their chances. Functional. Yeah, but I think we're a bit more than functional. Like, it, functional always sounds like really good. Um, now you've maybe completely forget what I was going to say. Um, I, I, Lost my thread. But the same. But you were saying that we're not a flair team. You know, we're not the same team as we were before. Yeah. You know, and, and I brought it back to being functional. But you think we're a better than a functional team? We're just not as exciting looking, and the way that we play isn't 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 the same. But that doesn't make us. I think the point I'm trying to say that doesn't make us a bad team. It's almost like we've been we've been given the desserts and all the sort of puddings and everything like that all in one go. That was like last season, the season before, and we've had it. We fought it so much, and now that's been taken away from us a little bit. The food is still good, but we've been given so much great food that we're kind of like, oh no, this isn't as good. 
And I will also say that your perception is slightly different um, because you don't have the whole emotional attachment that you get when you're at games watching it watch it on TV, especially watching it with no fans. There's, the emotional attachment is not there, and that, that's a big part of the whole feeling that you're winning and feeling that the team's playing well, is, is, is being there. I noticed, like, after watching um, Sai Ben Rama come on for West Ham on, on Sunday... For, no, well, no, 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 the, 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 the second, he came on for the whole of the second half. Um, but he, he, he was, like, demanding the ball, and I, we haven't got a player that kind of does that at the moment where they're so supremely confident in their own ability, they're kind of like screaming for the ball. Morpay did it, Morpay still does it for, for Brighton. When he's not in possession, he's almost he's, he's actually pointing at his own feet, give me the ball, give me the ball. And we've got no one at the moment that does that. So I'm not saying we, we should have, because maybe we're, a, we're more of an all-round team now. Slightly less, slightly less dangerous, slightly less on it, um, slightly less exciting, but we've got more points than we had this time last year. And we've got money, you're right to say it, Bill, we've got money in the bank. We can go out in a month's time, in, in four weeks' time, we can go out and we can say, tell you what, Godos, we wanted you last year, we got you this year, not quite doing it, we're going to go and get another left-sided player. Um, no, no one is um, um, expend. No one's not expendable in this in this team, apart from probably three players: Rico, Raya, Tony, and Force. And and but Nor, Norgard, oh yeah, four, four, four. You know, Norgard. We've now got Yanel. You know, Yanel. What a signing, mate. I think as well, coming back to the whole flair excitement thing, I think the perception is slightly different because of the different type of centre-forward Tony is to Watkins. You know, Watkins would Watkins would make those make those runs from, from deep and he'd, he'd sometimes cut in and he's a very different type of centre-forward um, to Tony. But Tony is more clinical. I would love to see a stat comparing uh, Watkins and Tony's rate of goals per chances because I think Watkins missed a lot more than Tony does yeah, interesting and talking about a sort of goals per chance as well Marcus Force Marcus Force has scored five goals in 278 minutes that's a goal every 56 minutes so it's a goal in just under an hour <laughs> He's only he a goal every half an hour a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's right, that's you know, that's just right. get rid of him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, this is all good, but listen to you. The pub's really buzzing inside here as well. I feel really good that people are coming out and obviously just want to get out and just enjoy themselves. So, like I said, so it's a right good buzz inside here. Laney? Sorry, five, Pinnock. <laughs> <laughs> he's, going to, he's, going to be, he's going to be up to 12 by the end of this podcast as well. But anyway, listen, we need to speak, or we need to listen to a few more stats and facts. We've got JB who's going to be giving us a little bit of info. I think he's talking about Harry Curtis and all sorts of stuff with his funk. Jonathan Burchill with his stats and facts. Hello, Jonathan Burchill here again. Last Friday saw us maintain our 100% home win record over QPR in the Championship making it now 6 out of 6. Probably no surprise, but it's our best record of all the opponents we've met in this league. The only others that come close are the 4 wins over Rotherham and the 3 over Aston Villa. 14 games into the season and we have a return of 6 wins, 5 draws and 3 defeats. 
Our best ever start was in 1932-33 when we were unbeaten for the first 14, with 12 wins and 2 draws. That season, the 7th with Harry Curtis in charge, we went on to gain promotion from the 3rd Division and were on our way to the top flight in a couple more years. Drawing Middlesbrough in the FA Cup is perhaps not the glamour time many had hoped for, but very different back in 1907, just three years after Griffin Park had opened, when the draw was the same, but this time in the second round. Then the Bees were playing in the Southern League, with three sides of Griffin Park little more than banks of earth. The visitors, on the other hand, were playing in the First Division and had football's first £1,000 player, Alf Common, in their side. A then record 21,000 people crammed into Griffin Park to see Pat Hagen score the only goal of the game and cause a major cup upset as the Bees went through. So yes, that was JB, Jonathan Birchill, talking about the Harry Curtis. Again, like I said to you, everyone's saying, and Laney, I mean, I know you've got some Brentford, big Brentford books out as well, big historic books now, and then JB always likes talking about a bit of history. He's got a bit of history there saying we are the best you know, in effect, best start since the Harry Curtis years as well. I mean, and I know that was talked about in in one of your fabulous, fabulous, which I've got right here, to do, myriad Bradford books, which are out now apparently in, in the shops. Is that right? Yeah, um, the big book of Griffin Park is about to sell out. So if you haven't got your copy of the golden black edition final copy, then you're probably going to miss out for Christmas. Might get reprinted in the new year, might not. Um, the Brentford Reimagined book is more about the Harry Curtis, well it's a Harry Curtis era book in the club shop as well but um, the Reimagined book is, is, is pictures from every era and you know he's right, to, he's right to talk about the history because you know I've always said if you don't know your history you don't know what kind of club you are you know, you don't know if you don't know where you've come from. You don't know where you're going, and, and we we want Brentford Football Club going forward to to share the same traditions and heritage, and to be proud of what we've achieved in the past. We may not have achieved great things for most of the years, but when we have achieved, we've achieved great things, and we're we're going to do it again. This is the second rena- renaissance of Brentford Football Club. You know, we, we there's a, every every chance that we're going to go up this year, and if it's not this year, it could be next year. But we're not going down. We're not going anywhere. We're we're, we're an established second tier football club with ambitions and justifiable ambitions of going to the top flight again. So to, to be as good or as almost as good as that team that won all of those games in that season before we went to the top flight is a great benchmark. It, it's setting standards, it's showing that we are, we are knocking on the door. And if, if we can get there, God knows what we can achieve, you know. So it's all about one step at a time, though. And getting fans into the ground again is, is, is a little baby step. And I'm just delighted that we're getting our football back. Indeed, indeed. So listen, talking about fans in the game, we have got a big game on Saturday. We've got Blackburn coming down. And you think, Blackburn, that's not a big game. I mean, you know, there's no rivalry there. What's that all about? Yeah, we might have beaten them in the Cup in 1989, but no, there's nothing there. No, this is a big game because we, the fans, have been allowed back into that stadium. So we're going to be making some noise. But we need to find out a little bit more about Blackburn. So we're going over to Oscar Jepson from Talk of Ewood. He's going to be giving us the lowdown on Blackburn Rovers. Hi, it's Oscar here from Talk of Ewood. Uh, been a Blackburn fan all my life, really. I mean, 
it's been a hell of a journey recently. I uh, was a little bit too young to uh, experience the real glory days, but I grew up with the likes of Two Guy, David Bentley, Benny McCarthy, Santa Cruz is my heroes, so I guess I can't complain too much. We've had a brilliant start again this season. It's uh, it's it's exciting. It, it's it, it feels from our point of view like we've had a brilliant start. I and mean, you look at the league table and we're about I think we're around tenth, eighth, ninth, something like that. And it's like oh maybe not. Um, bit of like a, I feel like everyone's getting a little bit too excited. But it, it, there's a there's a reason to be excited. There's the way we're playing the. Players we've got, players we've got injured must like is one of the big things for me. We've got our, arguably our two best players in Travis and Dak injured, and we're we're still performing the way we're performing. So, and again, the idea of we're getting a little bit too excited with the teams that we've smashed in the Derby, Coventry, Wickham. You think, oh yeah, we, we're smashing teams, we're smashing teams, and. You go look at the table and they're the bottom three and then we go and beat Preston and it turns out they haven't won in blah, blah, blah or they haven't, they've won one in so many. So it's it's a tough one. We're, we're all getting excited and rightfully so. The players are excited and the managers are excited about what we've got this season. But we still we still do need to prove it a little bit and I think in the next few games is a chance for us to put a bit of a statement down. Really, especially against if we can get a result and a positive result against a side like Brentford, then he, he, people will start to look at us a bit more seriously. And I think that the, there's there's been like a the, Mowbray's he's changed his style he's, a little bit. He's gone. He's basically, from my view, he has come up with a plan to compete for promotion without Bradley Dack, and it has worked so well that now Bradley Dack. Is the one who's going to have to come in and try squeezing to us instead of us trying to get through without him. And and it comes with the the players we had last season. You talk, you were talking about Brereton, Armstrong, Nyambe, and even Scott Wharton. He's just come back from League Two. Uh, they've all grown. Like this year, they're all mature. They're all they're a bit stronger, a bit quicker, and a bit more impactful. And I think that's a key, a key aspect of what what we've been why why we've been doing well, why we've been so positive. And and the likes of Bradley Johnson, he's settled in now and. It just it feels like this season is the season that it's all falling together, um, and it, it it is a little bit of a if we don't finish in the top six, Hubbard's got a lot to answer for, you know. Um, it is a bit of a you've got to do it now whilst everything's right, um, and it's it's a frustrating one because Mowbray's done such a good job at Rovers. He's transformed the club really since the day he came in, and. If you don't go up this season, it won't surprise me to see. Not okay. I won't say sacked, but fans turning against him because this squad is the depth, the quality. It, it's it's a top six squad, and in my mind, I think we could sneak into a top two. Really, any team competing for promotion, he needs a goal scorer and he needs a goalkeeper, and we've got that in Thomas Kaminski. He's coming from Ghent or Genk, I think, from Belgium anyway, and he's been. A revelation, really. He just feels so confident with him in goals. It just, we've had a few keepers. I mean, David Raya, he's kicked on really well with you, I think, uh, from what I gather. But it was always he always had a mistake in him when he was at us, and then we had what Christian Walton. He, him again. He he always had a little bit of a mistake in him. But then Kaminsky's come in and touch wood. He's not put a foot wrong yet. He he just he did, he's he, he's confident with the ball. He, he's dominant. He talks. He comes collects crosses, makes world worldy saves. It, 
it's been like a breath of fresh air, really. And then you've got the man, Adam, the man Adam Armstrong up front, and he just scores goals, doesn't he? Really, he, he he's changed this season. He, he, I don't know if you know, in the last few seasons, he scores like he scores worldies. He scores from outside the box, taking players on, blah blah blah. And then this season, I don't think it would surprise me if he scored a single goal from outside the box. He's, he's he's just turned into a little bit of a poacher, really. And I think that speaks volumes for the attack he has around him with the likes of Brereton, Harvey Elliott, Joe Rothwell, Lewis Holtby and Sam Gallagher. They they put things on a plate for him and that's that's the key thing for us. Our attack has been really good, really fluid and creating so many chances. Um, and I think a player that might fit uh, into our system really well be Ivan Tony. Uh, He'd score a couple of goals. Imagine even Armstrong up front. Newcastle's uh, rejects, but I really like Ivan Tony. To me, he looks like more of a complete striker than Adam Armstrong. He he scores them proper number nine goals, you know. And Armstrong has been doing that this season. Don't get me wrong, but I think Adam Armstrong's got a little bit of a different side to him, more so than Ivan Tony. So I think what um, I'd like to see from Ivan Tony is whether he can step it up into the prem. Because I think Armstrong, with the ability to play in a range of positions, could make that step up to the Prem with ease, really. But can Ivan Tony be the main man for a team? You know, Armstrong could be the winger, he could be the number 10 type of thing. Can Tony be the main man? And he's shown he can this season with his step up to the Championship. So, I mean, if he keeps going, he definitely will. The issue I see us having this weekend is. I'm not saying I'm not going to say we'll be all over you, but we'll we'll create chances. I'm, I I can guarantee that we'll create chances, create chances. If we don't take them, I'm hundred percent certain Brentford will punish us. And you've got a good defence, and going up the other end, putting him away, and and we'll we'll walk away from the game thinking, how on earth have we lost that? But that's what we've been doing. You know, it's if we don't put away our chances, we seem to just to just to you know concede a silly goal or something like that. Our centre half. Partnership keeps changing. It's set to change again this weekend if Wharton's not fit. Lennon's looked not his usual self so far this season, so that's my concern. I'd go for a two-one score prediction. I'm not sure. I, I think it could go. I think it's going to finish two-one. But I'm really not sure which way. So I guess I'm going to have to say two-one Rovers, aren't I? Um, so yeah, I'm going to go for two-one Rovers, and don't call me up on that if uh, we lose two-one. I'll take. Uh, I'll take the correct uh, prediction for both ways. Thank you, um, and looking forward to Saturday already. Hopefully we beat Millwall tonight, and we are there beating Brentford. See you later. So, Oscar, just telling us about Blackburn and telling us probably we should be a little bit scared. They've got a very good man up front. And uh, the Armstrong. And... Um, he was the first man on the moon I was about to say that you know and I was thinking about how I could drop that one in however you know hopefully he's going to be right out on the moon when he hears 2,000 fans singing and the fact is that what I was going to say is that can you imagine what it's going to be like in that stadium with 2,000 fans singing because Mark Warburton was absolutely blown away by 200 fans singing and imaginary fans that is you know what I'm saying so if you imagine how loud it must have been with that, it's gonna be it's gonna be like some sort of kind of sort of kind of some, some, I don't know some sort of kind of sort of concert, you know, with speakers and just sort of the Albert Hall, the Albert Hall of Wembley Stadium, like I'm saying, it's gonna be tremendous, isn't it? 
Oh, I don't think it is going to be tremendous. No, um, I think it's going to be something. I'm, you know, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm proud and delighted and excited that I'm going back. Um, it's going to be the first game at a new stadium. I, I don't know how that's going to feel for me, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, it's going to be emotional. Um, I'm, you know, we, we, we knew that Griffin Park was ending and the 5 0 game against Sheffield Wednesday was, you know, I think a few of us, or most people, probably had an inkling that there was a chance that that was going to be the last game. And that no one really had a crystal ball and knew how it was going to pan out. No one ever guessed that it was going to be sort of two months into the new season before we get a chance of going. And uh, 2,000 in a 17,000 capacity stadium, it's going to be it's going to be a bit shallow. You know, we'll make the most of it. Of course, we're going to enjoy it. And you know, I, I can't wait. And as I said, I skip skip around my bedroom. And um, you know, so it, that was that was the, the you know the, the raw emotion of it. It was I was genuinely happy and excited to be going back to football. Um, it's still going to be a shadow of of what it could be. But we're, it's unusual times, you just got to make the most of it. And uh, I will make full most of Saturday. I'll come down here, um, I will have a couple of beers, I will have another substantial meal, and then I think I'm going to walk. And I'm. Uh, this is something that I would like to suggest that as many Brentford fans consider as possible. Not an organised anything, not at two o'clock or one o'clock, we do anything organised. But I'm gonna I'm gonna walk round Griffin Park, um, and I'm gonna then walk to uh, New Griffin Park, and I'm gonna kind of savour every moment and remember where I've come from and where I'm going to, and when I get to where I'm going to, I'm gonna look forward, um, and I'm gonna park it there. But that's that's my that's my personal feelings about it. I'm not telling anyone how they should think and how they should feel, but you know I think it would be quite. Um, emotional for many people to to go and to go and go and say hello to the old girl again, and then walk to the new ground and then uh, cheer Brentford on to victory. You sound like my mum there as well. You must know where you come from to know where you're going to, right? And that's exactly what my mum said as well, and she drummed that into me as well. And I think that's I think we're all going to join you as well, lady, on a come little walk. Us. Yeah, come and join you over there. Going to walk, like I said to you, from the globe here all the way past down down past old Griffin Park and into new Griffin Park as well which I'm very much looking forward to that as well and Ali I mean the first thing I was going to say as well the first thing but I said many things but I'm going to say as well listen 2,000 fans is, is not a lot and it's a real gutter that we can't get all the Brentford fans in there you know into that game and I know there's a lot of people that are going to be very disappointed and are very disappointed that they can't get in like I said, as Laney said the, the good thing about it and the positive thing about it is that Brentford has actually reached out to everybody and given them an indicator when they can get into the new stadium and as we said it's like you know I mean we were trying to work out how we talked about it last week on the podcast how they're going to allow people in is it on you know how long you've had your season to get is it how many tap points have you got how many ways there are it's never going to be a perfect way uh, the one thing that I'll say is that you know people will um, people will get in no, I'm, I'm very lucky to be there on Saturday I'll be honest with you um, I didn't particularly want to go to the Blackburn game because I probably would have rather gone to the Bournemouth game as in as in as a game in itself 
but we're at the situation where you, you can't choose, you don't want to choose, you've just got to take what's in front of you. And also being at the first game, I think is, you know, for me, lucky enough to be there. So we're glad. But I, I believe that there will be some very, very good games that supporters will be able to go to. Derby on a Tuesday night, the first game under the floodlights, I'll give it to you. Um, game over the Christmas period, which is going to be the Bournemouth game, which is, you know, the traditional game, which is not boxing game, but a few days after that, great game for you to go to, where you're going to come down to. So I think that, you know, once that first game is over, doesn't really matter which game that you go to you, you know you know you're all going to go out there and listen we're going to be sitting in the pubs watching it while you guys are on girls are going to be inside the stadium so listen it's all going to work out for us bees in the end but you know ali i, I mean you were very very excited i mean I, I know as soon as you got that you were jumping up and down inside your room and you you you, you were beyond you're beyond yourself weren't you yeah, I, I was beyond excited. I couldn't, I couldn't get on the click through to the website quickly enough to buy my ticket. Um, <laughs> so you're the one that brought the website down, was it? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it's a, it's, um, it, it's a huge, it's a hugely bittersweet moment because there's a lot of people who aren't going to be there on Saturday who we would all love to be there, but you know, it is what it is, and I'm, I'm thrilled that I can go to this game. Uh, it's so much the last few months and what's been awful about the last few months is having nothing to look forward to and there's just something to look forward to and those who aren't going this Saturday you've got Tuesday night on the following Saturday or the, or, or the Reading game or the Bournemouth game to look forward to hopefully and it's it's a seminal moment for so many reasons because we haven't been able to go to football since that Sheffield Wednesday game and you know even though like Dave said we, we had a we had an inkling that it might be the last one for a while. I don't think any of us ever thought it was going to be this long before anybody got back into stadiums. And, you know, I don't know how other people feel, but I do feel a disconnect from football when I'm watching it on TV that, you know, you don't feel so much an integral part of it. And it, it it's a massive moment for everybody. And I, I think what we've not talked about is I think even though it's only 2,000 fans, it's a massive moment for the players because they have no memory of that stadium with fans in it. No memory at all. With Griffin Park, they you know, they knew what it was like with fans in it. There's no memory of that. It probably doesn't feel quite like home. And I think it's a massive, massive moment for the players as well as for the fans. I mean, it's, it's been fans that have been itching to boo more condos in the flesh for, for, for months now. <laughs> Yes, we should move on from that as well. What I will say, though, because, I mean, Laney, I don't 100% agree with you. I, I hear what you're saying because it's 2,000 people in the 17,000 you know, stadium. OK, it's not the best. But also, the one thing I will say, if anything, we are Brentford and we have come from being quite sort of rubbish sort of kind of sort of third stroke fourth tier team with you know no but you know with, with, with two three four thousand fans and not be funny I've been to Griffin Park where there's been three and a half thousand fans and it has been rocking better than when you're at Griffin Park when there's eight or nine thousand fans and we kind of got into the habit of knowing how to have a party when there aren't very many people in the house we're going to be in two stands. We're going to be in the north stand and the south stand. So there's going to be 1,000 each. Then you've got probably the press people and then the stewards and everyone else who also seems to be on our side as well. Um, even though Mark Warburton didn't, couldn't differentiate between sort of kind of press and stewards and fans. You know, so we've got all them as well. We can actually kind of make a little bit of a racket, I reckon, on Saturday because, you know, that's just what we do, you know. We, we're used to, we, you know, we're, we're not used to actually having this sort of 10, 12,000 man business, you know what I'm saying? So are you suggesting that the South Stand takes the North Stand? <laughs> Is that what you're suggesting? Well, I think that, we, we, listen, we, 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 we do what we have to do. 
I mean, yeah, I, I agree with everything about, you know, about how when we had smaller crowds, Griffith Park could be absolutely rocking. But the, the slight difference is, and we have to be very aware of this, is that when we only had two or three thousand fans, probably two, you know, two thirds, three quarters of those were, were in Ealing Road. You know, it's it's everybody's going to be really spaced out. Really. Or, hate, or hate corner, more, more to the point. Hate corner. Yeah, yeah. there's not going to be a hate corner because there's only going to be two people in it. So everybody's going to be spaced out. So I think it will be way more difficult to create some sort of atmosphere. But do you know what? It's going to be a better atmosphere than they've been playing in since since the start of the season and the end of last season so I think it's all a bonus as far as the players are concerned as far as the fans are concerned as, as I said you know we, we just need to make the most of it you know it, it isn't perfect it's way from perfect but you know we, we, we ain't got we've got no we've got no we've got no we've got no chance of make, we've got no influence on that we just have to make the most of what we're what we're what we're given and that, and that is 2000 at the moment hopefully it goes 4, 6, 8, 12 quite quickly once it, it, it proves to be working so, you know, let's just enjoy the moment and then hopefully the moment improves week on week after that and it's not too long until we are able to be where we want to be, which is surrounded by our mates, jumping up and down, singing our hearts out for the lads. I'm just going to be really, really boring about this, but I think that it is really, really, really important that those of us who are going to these first game, this first game and the first games follow all the procedures that we are told to follow to the letter because if we don't, then it will get shut down again and that's the last thing we want. It's, you know, it gets shut down before some people get a chance to get in. What we want to do is be able to grow from 2, 4, 6, 8, 25% capacity or whatever it is and that involves us all pretty much following the procedures to the letter. I'm just going to, and just think, just wasn't thinking about this as well. And I mean, even past this, Laney, but you know, as you know, Besotted, you did, you've done hundreds of videos. If you go to Besotted 1992 on YouTube, you've got loads and loads of videos. And we stopped doing videos mainly because, you know, from family life and everything like that, they just took up so much time and so much energy, so much effort. So we pulled back on that. We do a lot of podcasts, as you know, you know, but I was just thinking, this is such a momentous moment. I don't know whether or not we should crack up a video, um, which is the first game with fans back at Griffin Park on, um, on Saturday. Maybe we might do that, just see how that goes as well. I mean, the thing about it is that now thinking about it now, if we'd known about that, the last game at Griffin Park, again, that was one that if we were there, that was one that you'd always want to have a, a video for as well, you know, so that you've got those memories. But, you know, maybe we might, maybe we might do that. We'll just see, you know, if we... We, if it, on our next podcast we say we've got some things in the can you know we just get to edit up you know um, we'll, we'll let you know uh, the, the question I'll ask as well because we've got Blackburn fans listening to this as well you know as we had you know Oscar just uh, um, just chatting about Blackburn do and, and they must be thinking mm, Brentford you know lucky them they've got fans in the house but also they've got fans which is a massive advantage you know, because we are in tier three and we're not allowed to have any fans for our game, so they've got a massive advantage over us. Do you think it's going to be a huge advantage, Ali? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All teams have been playing in front of no fans. Suddenly there's some fans, even though it's only 2,000. I think it's a huge advantage. And no away fans either. So no away fans make any noise for them. All the noise is for Brentford. I think it's a massive advantage. I don't think there's any, any point in trying to pretend that it's anything different and, and I mean and some people are saying that you know um, last season as we were running into the playoffs actually we had a massive advantage probably in not having fans in the stadium because the pressure 
on players like Ollie Watkins could actually operate better with having no fans in the stadium. At the end of the day, when it came against Fulham, it probably worked against us, and we probably wanted to, us in the stadium. We probably would have we, we probably would have roared that ball in the back of the net. But this season, they're saying actually it's probably been the opposite for Brentford, where actually not having fans in the stadium has probably been a disadvantage for us. Where there are probably some games we could have turned it. Um, again, being a club like us, who are quite small, we're quite tight. We can be we can be quite vocal. Um, could this be a big turning point for us? Do you think, Laney? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, Ali's right. It's, it's a massive advantage. Yeah, and um, you know, it's it is a it's a it's a shame that Blackburn are, are in tier three and they're not their fans aren't going to be able to to, to to sample it at this moment. So um, yeah, I, 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 there's no point in saying it's not going to help us because it, it is. Um, you know, it, but it's, it's still down to the team's performance on the pitch. You know, if they if they don't offer us anything to get excited about, it's difficult to get excited. You know, we just we 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 stand every chance though of seeing a, a a very very good game between two teams that are really good at attacking, and uh, you hope it goes our way. So uh, again, you know, it is what it is. It is it's far from it's far from perfect. You just got to make the most of it. Definitely make the most of it. So listen, just going around the table, we're going to wrap this up here as well. Ali, give us a score prediction against Blackburn Rovers, um, who uh, started off very well, had a little bit of a dip, but still they've got some very good players out there. It would be typical Brentford, wouldn't it? If the first time that we get fans in our, in our new stadium to lose. But I, I, I'm going to go for, for 2-0 Brentford. Um, I think Tony's going to score. And I just have a feeling that Canos with fans in the stadium might just come off the bench and get one. Laney. I'm going for a 3-2 Brentford win, Bill. Five, five goals to see out Griffin Park, five goals to welcome the fans back, but a, t- a tighter game. I'm going to go 2-0 to the mighty, mighty bees. Oh, is. Sorry, I got it right, didn't I, last week, by the way? Oh, yeah. Laney got it right, by the way. I've just got to remind people about that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the QPR game, so, which is good. Well, congratulations, Laney, he's, he's, yeah. he's done the business, yeah. Mark, Mark Warburton's happy as well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So anyway, this is the Pride of West London podcast. What I say to you is that Saturday, enjoy yourself, whether you're watching the game in the stadium, in at home or in the pub. Like I said, you support your local, support your local businesses, support your local Brentford businesses. Um, like I said to you, interesting. One thing I was going to say, actually, just coming back to this as well, one thing that I have... Um, built up in the lockdown as well because obviously you know we've got our own little crew but you know different people have been doing different things so inside the globe here as well we've almost had like a sort of kind of there's like a little little village of characters who turn up every week week in and week out they'll be turning out every week and what's almost going to be a little bit sad that's going to be broken on Saturday because some of these characters have got tickets for the game and some of them haven't so some of them are going to be coming to the pub here to watch the game still I think you know and others you know, will be at the game. But what is nice is that I think the community is still coming to support. So before the match, have a few drinks together, and then whoever goes off to the game does, you know, and then they come back again. And then the following week, same thing again. You know what I'm saying? Where the next lot will be going off, but your new community, your new characters actually that you've been hanging out with, you know, you're sort of just kind of just hanging out and just doing the old thing. So I, I really, I quite like that. And I said to you, that is kind of a new Brentford, the new Brentford, which has been... Uh... <laughs> lady, lady, what's going on? Nothing, nothing, nothing further to say. <laughs> But anyway, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast.
we'll be at the match on Saturday or you might be in front of the TV or you might be in the pub watching the game but whatever you do we're going to be all cheering our team on Brentford who are going to be hopefully getting another three points on top of the six points that they got the last week and we're very happy about that as we say we've got nine nine points oh, yeah we've got 12 points as we say come on Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.